Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Well, welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. It is an honor to be here the third week of February. Yesterday, we got to celebrate Valentine's Day. And today, I have a couple on that get they try together. And it's such a joy when you get to see Black love out here in these tri streets. Oh, yes. And not just trying just because like they are competitors we're gonna find out if they compete against each other and who has to bring home the title so we're gonna see all of that we're gonna learn about all of that one is in fast chicks the other one is with endurance nation but what's most important is the love that they have for each other as they try together and challenge each other to be better every single day i am so honored and grateful that i get to bring to you Mr. and Mrs. Derek and Annette Sanks. Welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How y'all doing? We're doing real good. Thank you. Good, 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 good. So I'm so grateful to have you. Um, a little bit about what we're going to do is we're going to ask you some questions. Be yourself. There's no shyness here because I ask silly questions. I want you guys to get all in it. So I'm just really excited. We're all in the D.C. area, which is kind of cool. Um, but let's just get right into it. How did y'all meet? Oh, Ooh. Okay. <laughs> it's an interesting story. Actually, we met on a blind date. We were both second lieutenants in the air force. And another one of his friends set up, up on a blind date. Quite interesting. You got to give us more history than just the well, let's like, do You this. said it's interesting. Give us more of the juice. And so here's the thing is that that was the second person that actually tried to set us up. So that being said, this date, we went to a dance club and met him for the first time. The whole night, he did not dance with me until a slow song came on. He finally asked me to dance. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and after that it was a wrap because <laughs> he said the fast one his move but he had to come in and get in slow oh, yeah. that slow grind <laughs> wait for the right moment <laughs> i like that you waited patiently and was like this is i can see i can talk to her whisper some sweet nothings in her ear <laughs> wrap her around my finger i love I love it. And I really appreciate that two different people tried to connect you guys. So they must have known that there was something special and clearly they were not wrong. I guess that that would actually be accurate because totally independent individuals of each other tried to set us up on blind dates and the connection actually happened. And it's not been one second, one moment, one hour that I've not actually thought about him, him being on my mind and in my heart in some type of way. I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I don't think I have my tissues close by. That's just That's all true. the warm and fuzzies. Oh, man. Now, Derek, you've been a little quiet. You got to, there's something in there for us. We need to hear your side of the story. Tell us, come on. No, that's, that's, that's the story. A, a good friend of mine uh, who I met a few months earlier uh, in the Air Force. It was uh, actually a, a double date. Yeah. You know, he, he, it, but we didn't know each other. He knew both of us, but. Annette and I didn't know each other. So. Not at all. And I almost didn't go. So just think about that, that I would have missed out on all of this awesomeness. And the other, the other funny thing is I didn't know about the double date until like we were getting ready to go. <laughs> we were going out you know, to the club and I thought it was just him and I. And he said, oh, I invited two other 
to the ladies along. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> because he knew if he would have told you ahead of time, it could have been like Annette said, she might have not come. And you might have said, you know what, man, I'm going to stay home, watch some TV, watch whatever's on TV. But I'm glad that he was um, shrewd enough to trick you into like coming along with him for that night <laughs> and not giving you all the details. Right. Okay, so when was this? When did you guys meet? Like, what year was it? It was a long time ago. <laughs> Look, the people want to know. At least I'm. I want to know when was this? We met November um, the eleventh, nineteen eighty-eight. Wow! And you we guys were just out of college, uh, almost a year out of college, yes. and met each other. Okay. So 1988, you met each other on a blind date and have been together ever since. So how long have you all been married? We just went over 30 years. Okay. 31 years. <laughs> I, I, I didn't pass the test. <laughs> Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to set that up like that. I, you know, I was just trying to find out. Okay, so 30 years married. Blind 31. date, 31, excuse me, 31 years married, blind date. So you all are risk takers, naturally. He is for sure. Okay. And so not only risk takers, but you are courageous in some sense, because both of you going out there on that blind date. So in this 30 year marriage, and probably a little bit more of knowing each other, how did you all come into the world of try? And multi-sport. So I, I guess <laughs> I'll go first because it started with me. I get all the blame. Yes. <laughs> so I I started doing uh, long distance running um, just before I turned 40. I, I did my first marathon the year I turned 40. And so I was, you know, running, running. And my younger brother who had gotten into triathlons a few few years earlier, kept trying to convince me to try a triathlon. You know, he was telling me all his stories about his races, how much fun they are. And I finally said, okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, that was uh, 2009 when I did my first triathlon. And- The backdrop though, is that on all these endurance things that he was doing he would drag me and the four kids along with him well well yeah you they know. wanted to go <laughs> did they really want to go hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they got used to it and then they wanted yeah. to go but initially we were like um do we have to so when i initially got started into running then and that started running as well. Mm -hmm. And she probably remembers the the race where she really started. Mm -hmm. I think I was doing a marathon in Estes Park. Yes. Um, Colorado. And while I was out in the marathon, there was a 5K and she did the 5K. So yeah, I get the blame for getting her into running. Everything. And then when I got into triathlon. She she started to try uh, a few years later. What what I love about that is you might have gotten her into it, but she's taken it even further because now she's an instructor. Yes, right? I I do group fitness the, the the coaching. However, I was doing that even before the endurance part of it. However, I think that. Derek is definitely a catalyst in our family that has gotten us out of the normal things that we do into things that will stretch you and create a lot of growth with regards to your character, with regards to training and how you actually approach things. And our kids have all taken that to heart. We've had one that played a sport at the collegiate level. And I think a big part of that is because of Derek. 
So where do you get that from, Derek? Like what, what's, what was instilled in you that you now instill it in your family to stretch them, to allow them to grow, to, you know, try new things. Like, what is that about you that encourages that with your family? Uh, that's, that's a good question. You know, one of the things that keep me coming back and wanting to improve is, is wanting to find my potential, wanting to know how far I can go. So every time you know, I did my first marathon, you know, I was in a lot of pain at the end. <laughs> I think the next the next day or two, I'm like, well, if I, you know, did this, this, and that, I, I, you know, I could do better. I can, I can, I, I can go faster. And so it's it's just that constant improvement. And I think that, you know, just weave throughout my life since childhood, always trying to better yourself, always trying to improve. Um, so I guess I can I can put that on my parents who <laughs> instill that in me. And even in in my you know in my career, my work life, personal life, it's always look for ways to to improve, to do better. And it just it carried over in, in the sports. I'm here for it. Now let's break this down. This is a you know show mainly for beginners. And so we got to hear your beginning story because that story compared to where you are now, which we haven't even scratched the surface of what you've accomplished. Ooh, I ran out of breath saying that because it's so much. Ooh, okay. So I think let's talk about both of your first races. So Derek, you got your start in 2009. Tell me, was that a sprint distance? And if so, walk us through your first race. <laughs> okay, you might not want to hear about my first race because it's like how not to do a first race. <laughs> That's exactly what we want to hear. That's exactly what we want to hear. <laughs> so my first race was in September. Um. I can't remember when I signed up for it, but we had just moved to this area. This is 2009, we just moved to the area in July. The race was in September. I didn't have a bike. And I wasn't worried because I was like, I know how to ride a bike. How hard can it be? <laughs> so I ended up getting, getting a road bike like four or five weeks before the race. You know, I started riding it, Practice to clip in, clip out, all that, all that stuff. The swim, now that was something I knew I had to work on, but I knew how to swim, but I, I did not know how to swim con constantly for long distances. You know, I could do enough to stay afloat. I, I knew a couple different strokes. So I was like, worst case, I could just do the breaststroke, run a swim, as long as I make it through the swim. I know how to bike, and then I get to the run. That's my favorite. Ready to go for the run. Um, so in September, it's cold, so I knew I was I was going to need a wetsuit. You would think I would get the wetsuit, try it on, get in the water, make sure I'm comfortable in it, but no. <laughs> the first time I put the wetsuit on and get in the water is when the race starts. And that wasn't pretty, but I did get through it. I I, I did get through it. Like I said, it wasn't pretty. Managed through the swim. Um, got out of the swim, the bike. The bike, ooh, that was a wake up call. <laughs> uh, the course was rolling, it was a rolling course. And the, the only thing I remember about the bike, and, and this has never left my, my memory, I'm going up the hill and an elderly lady comes past me going up a hill. She looks over at me and says, good job. 
I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and I thought I was doing something going up this hill. And, um, you know, the only thing I could say is, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to pass you back on a run. But there was nothing I can do to, to, to get to catch up. But, yeah, a lot of people passed me on the, on, on the bike, but that, that moment made me realize, yeah, I, I need to train. I need to train on the bike. It's not just riding the bike. I need to train. Um, got through the bike and then hit the run. It was all downhill from there. And, and that's pretty much how all my races go. Once I hit the run, for the most part, it's downhill from there. Yeah, so you have to train for the bike and not just ride it. There is a difference, folks. Yeah. Riding yeah. leisurely and riding in a race two different setups yeah. even if you have a road bike they're just two different it's two different mindsets two different setups but I love that story on what not to do for your first race you guys heard it here you, you're hearing it this is this is real real stuff so Annette tell us about your first race when was it and you know kind of walk us through uh start to finish Hey, my first sprint was a sprint distance triathlon was July, 2013. And I just learned how to swim actually in 2012 for my birthday. I was getting ready to turn 50 that July of 2012 and learn how to swim while he was deployed. And we're gonna do this triathlon together when he gets back because I wanted to stay connected to him. Again, everything he learned, what not to do, that information was passed on to me. So I did have an opportunity to do some of the things that he mentioned that he didn't have to do. It was Colonial Beach, Virginia was my first, and I was a member of Team Z at that time. And it was a fantastic race. It was, the weather was pristine, really nice weather. He was with me every step of the way because this was my first open water competition. And a lot of it, I remember swimming on my back. And the only reason I didn't get off course is because he was beside me saying, you need to turn and to do different things. And then once I actually got out of the, the water, I really felt good. And I hopped on my bike and did the bike portion, finished the bike, did the run portion without any issues. And this guy was at the finish line waiting for me. So again, everything that, that he learns, he typically passes that information on to me and to other individuals. And that's the impressive thing about him is that he's not selfish with the information that he learns. He takes that information, he becomes a better athlete, and then he passes that information on to others. And that's how the world should be. We shouldn't have to make the mistakes if we can just learn from others. But there are people like me who still have to <laughs> learn the hard way somehow, some way. We just, oh, yeah, that happened for you, but it won't happen for me. And then it happens to you and you're like. Tag it, I should have just listened. <laughs> Swimming on your back. There are several people, and I want to touch on that because I don't think there is a stroke you can't do once you start the race. Do what you need to do. You know, Colonial Beach is one of my favorite races. It's such a quaint, mm. beautiful town. Kinetic puts on a really great race there. Um, and that water can be a little rough down there in the, at the, I guess that's the lower end of the Chesapeake Bay. And swimming on your back will get you to the, get you out of the water, swim on your back, breaststroke, breaststroke. And if you need to hang on to the lifeboats or to the boats, do that. But no, why is my hand raised? Like I need, oh, it's that sensor thing. You just put your sensor up. I don't have a question. Um, but you just do what you have to do to get out the water. And I'm glad that you listen to your husband 
as to not make the same mistakes because your race had, you had a more enjoyable race, which caused you to continue to move on. So cool. We got the first race out of the picture. You've gone on the both of you to do some incredible things in sport. All the way, I know, Derek, you've gone to Kona and qualified for Kona. Two times. You got <laughs> to give him his props. I'm just saying. Two times. I love that. Stand up and stand by your man. Absolutely. Let me do that over. Derek, who has qualified for Kona two times. Put some respect on that. Um that's it's kind of mind-blowing but it's not because after hearing your story about how you operate it's just in you because you want to continue to get better and if I remember correctly you you didn't start doing triathlons until later in life so that means you're what age group are you in when you're qualifying for Kona or when you qualify for Kona the first time I was 50 to 50 to 54. Say so I had to be. I mean, I've only been doing this for nine years. So, yes, 50 to 54. And then the second time? The second time, 55 to 59. Yo, if you got a, well, I was about to say, if you got a dream for going to Kona, it, but now we got to say, if you have a dream of just qualifying for the world championships, <laughs> no matter where they may be, that's exactly. <laughs> no matter where they may be, you can do that. And there's no age limit. And I think that's the important part that I like to, sh you know, showcase is that if you can dream it and you want to do it, it's attainable for you. And it doesn't, you don't get disqualified for your age. As a matter of fact, you get better with age because you learn your body adapts a little bit better. That muscle memory comes in and you get smarter. Therefore, you're able to train better. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cause Annette, have you, what distances have you gone up to? 70.3 has been my longest distance. I've done two at, at, at the uh, half distance. At the half distance. Correct. And so- we want to talk to you too about your training because it's different because you started, I think you said at 50. After 50, correct. After 50. Mm -hmm. And so that means you started after probably going through a change of life. Absolutely. I was 51 when I did my, my first sprint triathlon at, at Colonial Beach. Okay. So we got a lot to talk about. So we're going to go <laughs> to Derek and talk about how you've gotten to qualify twice for Kona and then we'll come back and talk about Annette and your racing starting at 51 so you can encourage those who may be going through the change of life etc so Derek what has it been like since starting your race seeing in 2009 qualifying for Kona in two different age groups and let's just put the record straight 50 to 55 and 50, 55 to 59 those age groups are hecka competitive Yes, they are. Like, fast, fast. <laughs> right. So, what has it been like on your journey to qualifying for two Kona? Two, two Kona, Kona qualifications. Ah, Tongue-tied, it's the end of the night. So, go ahead. Well, it's, it's been amazing and and very surprising. Um. A lot of lessons learned, you know, I think one of the biggest things I started doing is, is, you know, it's another thing my parents used to preach to me, but I started associating with people who were on a similar journey or who have already accomplished what I was trying to accomplish. Uh, but first, let me back up. There was a time when I first started doing triathlons a full Ironman was not even a thought or a dream. It was in that realm of impossibilities for me. Um, and I guess as I slowly built up 
from the sprint to the Olympic to, to the half. And then again, associating with people on similar journeys, you know, you start to believe that it could be possible. It could be possible. So I didn't like just jump into this and had all this speed. There is a, a heck of a lot of work and training that goes into it. And, and a lot of people don't realize how much work is, is involved. You know, they, they, it, it, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a huge time commitment, especially for the full distance. But I mean, the bottom line is, is who you associate with, the, the training I was doing, you know, I was associating with people doing a similar type of training. And it's just constant improvement. You know, some people say, you've heard the term incremental improvement over a period of time, you know, equates to big improvements. So it's just those small improvements at the time might not, might not seem like improvements, but when you look at it over three to four or six months, a year, you know, they're, they're significant improvements. So my racing pretty much went, in 2014, I did my first one, finished it feeling great. Um, I had a good, a, a good race. Uh, that was at Montremblant. I did my second one, like almost an hour off of my time at Lake Placid. It was another good race where everything went, went well. Uh, my third one, that one was done in in 107 degree temperature. That was all about survival. <laughs> my fourth one, my fourth one was, was really a really good race. It was the one where I've, I've run my fastest mar marathon split. And that was a Louisville, Ironman Louisville. And it was at that race, I, I was 10th in my age group. And my teammates told me that qualify for Kona. So that was at the time the highest finish, finishing place in my age group I had at the time. I'm 10th of my age group and I'm being told, you know, you put in a little more work, <laughs> you can qualify for Kona. <laughs> and so that seed was planted and you start believing it, you know, so, so that helps with the discipline, dedication to do the training. Um, and then, uh, so that was 17. Yeah, then 18 at, at Lake Placid again is is where I, I qualified it. And I, I will say that race was the hardest race that that I've done that resulted in qualifying for. <laughs> it, it, it was the race where I had to dig, dig the deepest to, to, to finish, not just finish, but finish strong. So your first was Montremblant, which is hilly. It's not, it's not an easy shape, right? Right. <laughs> but then you go to Placid, which is a little bit more challenging than, than Montremblant. And you knock an hour off your time. Okay, so you're, are you human? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's incredible. And, you know, you kept improving, but yet then you came back and was like, oh, I can do this. But then in 2018, it was like, do you, is this not, is it what you want? But it was like, let's test the waters to see if this is really what you want, because Kona was going to probably be even tougher from a heat standpoint. And, you know, from what I hear, heat, the hills, you know, and just all of that mixed in. And so all of this to get to this point, prepared you for Kona. Sure, Every step yeah. along the way prepared you for Kona. And I'm sitting here like, whoa, I know some people are just like, they're just like, thank you God to finish Placid and you're knocking an hour off your time. I know it just has to have, it had to be a good feeling. And so after you qualified the first time, what was your second race that you qualified for? Because what I do know, ladies and gentlemen, that I need to share with you is 
Mr. Sakes doesn't just finish races, but he does finish at the top five and 10% of his age group whenever he races. So that just gives you a little bit of perspective of what we're dealing with here. So tell us about your second qualification. Second qualification was, was at Ironman Tulsa. It was the first time they, they held a race there. And you know, so that happened, what was that? So, so we had the COVID year, there was no racing. And so this was the first race after after the COVID shutdown. 2021. 21, right. Okay. So I did a I did a Ironman Florida in 19 and <clears throat> 20, there was no racing. And then I come back and and race Tulsa in in 21. Um, Tulsa was 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 a good race and had its challenges. Uh, you know, a lot of racing. You know, what what makes break a race is the decisions that you make um, during during the race. You know, I always tell people that you know everyone shows up to a race. Well, most people show up to a race, you know, in great shape. And but but how you execute the race, those the decisions you make during the race is what will make or break your race. And 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 what I mean is, you know, starting off on the bike, just hammering it as hard as you can, thinking you need to catch up. Okay, that's not a good strategy. <laughs> because <laughs> you're you're using up all your energy, you know, in, in, in those first in the first hour of the bike, you know, the bike is 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 a six hour, five plus six hour um, event, you know, or starting to run and and just starting too fast, um, or not not following the nutrition plan that you practice so many times during training, but for some reason during the race you decide to do something different. Um, so a lot of racing, a lot of you know, successful racing is making smart decisions on execution and, and your nutrition. And everything just kind of fell in place at, at, at Tulsa. The, everything just just yeah, just went well. His ancestors were chasing him. Yeah, Black Wall Street, he was running down those streets. They were like, get it, boy, get it, get it. He was going so fast, I was having problems taking pictures of him. I was like, what in the world? Yes, ancestors, you better be chasing him. Yes, that had to feel good to, you know, uh, to be able to race in Tulsa had to feel good. Not only did you qualify in Kona, but just what Tulsa represents was so, for our culture. What did it feel like in that moment when you heard that you qualified for your second time to go to Kona? So it was it was strange because the way they did it was different. They had implemented their COVID protocol. So there was no award ceremony, there was no roll down ceremony. So you know, you know, after the after the race, they the day after the race, they typically have an award ceremony, then right after that is where they do the Kona slots allocation and you have to be there to to claim your slot if you're not there then it goes to the next person so for this race i think all the races that year they did it by email <laughs> and it could be up to six weeks before you get an email asking you know saying that you've qualified or if you want a slot so it was it was it was a wait it was a wait game. It was when is the email coming? When is the email coming? <laughs> so it, it wasn't it was it was not exciting. It was it was anticlimactic, if if you will. Whereas at, at Placid, you know, you're there at the at the ceremony, there's a lot of people and totally, totally different atmosphere and feel so it, it wasn't it was not exciting it was it was me okay got the email yay 
Now the decision to, <laughs> to pay that money. Yeah, I wrote down anticlimactic too. It was like you built up, you knew you had qualified, and then it was like, okay, all right, when is it going to happen? But you did qualify for what was it, uh, Ironman seventy point three World Championships twenty twenty two. Let's yes. talk about that. Yeah, so I qualified at seventy point three North Carolina, and that was just an amazing day uh, from. Start to finish, I had a great bike. I had a great swim. The, the it was my fastest um, run run leg for a seventy point three. It, it was my fastest time for seventy point three, and I, I finished fourth in my age group. Um, so it was it was pretty cool. My uh, first time finishing on podium which was one of my goals was to finish you know, on, on, on podium. So that, that was, that was neat. Um, yeah. And they, at the, the, the ceremony, you know, they, they were back to, to having the, the world championships, you know, allocation in person, yeah. in, in person. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that was nice. an amazing day. And, I never saw him. I never saw him on the course. Never. It, Having him that there was was the icing on the cake. I right? never saw him. He got out of the swim. I was like, <laughs> I think I may have missed him. I went to the people. I was like, um, is this number bike still there? They said, no, it's gone. So I rushed down to the where you come in for your bike. He had already started on his run. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I planted myself in the middle of the road and I was like, I'm not moving. So I did see him finish the run, but everything else I missed because he was so fast. Wow. The times that you gave me didn't match up didn't with match what up. you did. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't think fault. he wanted me to see him. <laughs> okay. We're going to come back to that because I want to hear about your, your, your journey through your races and that. And then I want to come back and talk about supporting one another in this sport because I feel like that is a really key piece here that I want people to hear about how you support each other so Annette take us through your journey of you know coming from your first sprint at Colonial Beach and kind of accelerating um, from that point and getting up to your 70.3. Just like you everything is an evolution and Derek he makes hard things look really easy. So I'm like, well, if Derek did that, I think I may be able to do this. And I moved up to the Olympic distance. And let me just say that it did hurt. It was not easy and it, it was fun, but it was, I don't even think it was fun. <laughs> I completed it. And I looked at the pictures where I finished and literally I was like, what was I thinking during this distance? And actually did it uh, a couple of other times after that, just to make sure <laughs> I was experiencing these things. And, and again, I think the more that you train and put the work into it, you will see the results at the end of, of the race. But again, he makes hard things look easy. So uh, I bit the apple and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the 70.3. Well, I did the 70.3 in Massachusetts, right? Yes. And in Massachusetts, it was a red three race. And three other people went with me. One did the Olympic distance and the other two ladies were doing the half distance. Out of the three of us, I was the only one that completed the half distance. The other two ladies, they stopped and they did not finish. That being said, this guy got a little bit worried about me and actually came looking for me on the race course. I didn't know I was doing that bad. <laughs> he came looking for me. And once I saw that amazing million dollar smile that he has, 
I was able to finish that race and finish well and surprise myself afterwards. Uh, again, he makes hard things look easy. So you cannot face stuff off of him. Okay. So you do your 70.3. Yes. He's concerned. He comes out there. You see his smile and it's just like, I got this. I got this. I got this. So I want to ask, I know there's a lot of talk about women who have gone through the change of life and getting into the sport. Have you had any challenges as you've gone through, um, I guess I should just say at menopause, mm -hmm. if you've gone through it, because, you know, I don't know, but what are some of the challenges that you've had to go through as you've started? Because you started in your fifties. And so what can you encourage someone else who may want a new challenge in, in their lives, but are concerned that they are going through menopause per se? One of the really big things, and, and again, I learned this from Derek is strength training. I, I've always been one that worked out. So that was not the issue. But doing workouts that were specifically for either running or the multi-sport and trying to incorporate those things into the workouts. Because as women, when we start going through menopause, we are starting to lose a little bone density or starting to lose muscles and, and different things like that. So in order to stay strong and to perform optimally, you have to do some things that you typically would not do. So again, strength training is really, really important. Consuming protein and collagen, I, I think is really important. And then getting the proper amount of rest that you need in order to, to be effective when you are doing some type sports. Strength training, protein, collagen, rest. Absolutely. It's a recipe if you're starting, I, I just say no matter where you're starting, but specifically if you're starting after a, an age or you're going through the change of menopause, definitely make sure you're doing strength training, get your protein in. Collagen, that's an interesting one, but collagen is a nice booster and it's a good to get your skin supple and rest. I've learned over the past year how important rest is. It is not a game, y'all. Get your rest. If you do not get your rest, you will definitely see it in your performance. So rest is an important ingredient that often gets overlooked because of our busy lives. But if you are going to train and go the distance, especially if you're doing long course, be sure to incorporate that into your training strategy is rest and kind of equate that into the equation support and, and the other thing oh, too is is also along with rest is self-care it, it's really really important that the conversations that you have with yourself that they are conversations that are powerful and that are lifting you up as opposed to you having negative self-talk to yourself because that could derail in everything that you're actually doing. So positive self-talk, rest, and, and that self-care is, is absolutely critical. I love that. So speaking of when you're not having good self-care and you're not saying the most positive things to yourself, how do you and Derek support each other in that way of encouraging one another to keep going? Like, what is your household philosophy? Because, you know, families that race together, they have rules. Let's back up. What are your, <laughs> uh, what are your uh, racing household rules of engagement? Let's start there and then we can talk about the support. Because I think, when I said that, Derek is like, oh, my goodness. Why oh, no, no. It's just... 
It has actually evolved opposite. though, right? I mean, I, I can remember when he was training for his first half distance, I mean, full distance, right? Mm -hmm. I think I may have been a little salty because he was training a lot. And I was like, uh, I don't think I like this. <laughs> but again, we've always been that couple that we can say things to each other and we receive it in the spirit in which it was said, you know, and we can quickly make the adjustments for that. And, and yeah. So what were some of those adjustments you had to make with all this training? Because Annette was like, I'm not having this. I want my husband, I want my man. So what was this, what were these adjustments that had to be made? I think the biggest adjustment is really just the time that he was spending with training. And he would get up and he would be gone. And I'm like, you know, this is Saturday or this is Sunday. We're supposed to be hanging out doing some stuff. And he was on that bike out there, you know, getting it in, in addition to, to running and, and, and different things. And one thing that I really appreciate about Derek is that if he has a training plan, he's going to execute that training plan 100 percent it, it he's very precise with that but along with that 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 training he's also i want to use the right word that he's almost a beast when it comes to, to, to training you, you you're not going to out train him and the way that he trains he actually does that when he's competing so it, he's very very consistent with that and and again just the, the time that's actually spent. And even now, on some Sundays, he's down in what I call our hurt locker. <laughs> and he's on that bike three, four hours. I'm like, what are you doing down in that basement? <laughs> so one, one thing I, I've learned to do is, is to be flexible because there's, you know, things, life happens and you know, training can't be number one all the time. That's a recipe for disaster. So just accepting to be flexible, like just being able to accept, okay, if I can't run on or bike on this day, you know, shift it to another day and just, and just try your best to, to fit the training around, you know, those, those pop-up situations <clears throat> that, you know, most times can't can't be helped so there is there is flexibility in there and you know the more I stay in the sport the more I'm able to just be able to make those adjustments and not feel you know not panic that I'm missing my training <laughs> he was with that first race let me just say that <laughs> right. so I don't want to make assumptions and I'm just going to ask this it well, let me go back to this comment. Did y'all hear when Miss Annette said on that bike and she had like a little, like, you know, a tone about her. She's like, no, it's like on the bike. She's like on that bike. So you can tell ladies, are, you know, the bike is one of those situations where there's memes that go out and the guys will be like, yeah, I'll be back home. Well, well what time? And they don't give a response because they're just out there riding their bikes for hours but you can get so lost in the bike. But as he, um, as Derek so graciously stated, don't let training be the recipe for a disaster. I think you have to find balance. And I think that is something that's important that you find uh, balance. Now, Miss Annette, you talk about the dedication that Derek has with his training. What does that look like for you? Are you as dedicated or are you just like, you know, I'll get it in. Like, what's your philosophy to training? She, she overtrains sometimes. <laughs> he thinks I, 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 I really cannot answer that question because whatever Derek tells me to do, that's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. And I, I want to get to that level where, I have a plan that 
that I'm going to execute on, on race day. And I'm, I'm slowly getting to, to that level. But right now for me with racing, it's about finishing, feeling good and just having fun. If I get out of the water, I survive the water. I am a happy camper and whatever happens just happens for the rest of the race. But I do listen and each one of my races I have gotten progressively better. My second 70.3, my goal was to finish in under seven hours and I finished in six hours and some change. So I was really, really happy about that. So I'm going to ask this question. I need you guys to be very truthful with this. Annette, do you think Derek is a good Sherpa? Hands down, the best. The best Sherpa. Okay. Absolutely. Derek, do you think Annette is a good Sherpa? Oh, absolutely. She, I, I, I learned from her. <laughs> So, one of the things that really um, stand, stands out, during the training for my first full Ironman, you know, we had our big, our big day, which was the longest ride. Um, it was like a 120-mile ride. And, and Net was out there the entire time supporting supporting me because it was one of those routes where you would loop back to your cars and you would refuel and she didn't have to be out there for that but she knew what I was going through she knew it was the biggest training day of of the training plan you know it's like one of the most important rides and her being out I mean that is something that has always stood out you know one it's one of those memories that that that, that you keep you know on the your wife and 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 how she's she's been su supporting me, but she, yeah, her Sherpa dude. I mean, she she's the best. She works harder than I do. <laughs> I mean, I get finished, I get finished racing. She's ready to get back to the room, go to sleep. I mean, she is tired and. You know, like the first time I was like, why are you so tired? <laughs> and, and, you know, until in, until I in, until I did it for her and, and realizing this, this is a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. And she would pick up my gear, my bike while I'm still out there on the run course. And I mean, for my first one, I get finished. I cross the finish. It's my very first pull. Across the finish line. You know, she's there and she's ready to walk me back to the room. I'm like, oh, no, I have to get my bike. She said, oh, I already got the bike. I have to get my gear back. I already got them. They're in the, they're in the room. She's like, all we have to do is just walk up, walk up this little hill and, 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 and get to our room. I mean, that's like top <laughs> notch. Sure. I can't, can't, can't ask for more. Yeah, Sherpa is not an easy job. And so there should be a class on how to Sherpa because, you know, you have people who do it right, people who don't. And sometimes athletes don't make the best Sherpas, but I'm glad in this case, you guys are great Sherpas for each other. Okay. What is, because we got to move through this. I hate that the podcast can't be like three or four hours because there's so much that we can talk about. But what is one piece of advice that you would give to a beginner? Okay. That's a great question. One piece of advice that I would give to a beginner. Is comparing yourself to others that are competing. We, most of us are guilty about this, including myself. You step to the, the start line and you see people and you make these assumptions of, about people, um, their bikes, the, their wetsuits and 
all this great stuff that they have, and then you start doubting yourself and comparing what you have to they have. One of the worst ones that I made was my bike, and my husband just brought this to my attention. I was like, I'm ready to get rid of this bike. It's not a fast bike. I don't want it anymore. People, you know, I was really harping on the bike because mine is a road bike. It is not a tri bike where you can get down into the arrow. And it was very few of us with Ironman North Carolina that were on traditional road bikes. And I was passing people that were on um, the, the tri bikes in, in the arrow position. So again, it's not just the equipment that you have, but it is the, the time that you spend training and trusting your training, trusting yourself and staying confident that's going to get you across the finish line. Derek? So my, my biggest piece of advice is to just be present and be consistent. And, and when I say be consistent, that doesn't mean you have to do every single workout on your training plan or what your coach says to do, but week over week, month over month, just be consistent, keep showing up. There's going to be times where it feels like you're not making progress. It's going to be times you feel like you're getting slower and not faster. Improving your fitness is not a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a linear a linear line. It's it's peaks and valleys. You go up and down, but over time, you're 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 going to go up. But you have to be consistent. That's consistency is king. I'm sure. You've heard that, or other people have has heard that, but consistency is 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 king. I mean, it's being there, showing up. Um, yeah, that's that's the best piece of advice advice I can give. Okay, so my next question would be, what is a piece of advice for couples who are married and keeping your marriage healthy while trying? Ooh, it gets deep. Okay. <laughs> Probably just supporting each other. Not, you know, it's kind of the same things as, that goes into a marriage. You know, it, it, it's the same thing. It just carries, carries over to, to the sports. Don't, don't criticize, be a supportive as you can, you know, I, I, I try not to solve all the, all, you know, her issue problems or with, with, with training because, you know, it's, it's just being supportive, being there when, you know, when, when you need it. Um, being each other's biggest cheerleaders. I agree with being the, the biggest cheer, cheerleader. And also having conversations, being able to, to laugh with each other and at each other sometimes. And I have a great time with, with, with Derek. And it's just because, you know, when he's doing what he truly enjoys doing and that's competing in, in triathlons it's you see that light and that energy in that person and you really want that to continue so being the biggest cheerleader and wanting the best for your partner and then having those moments where you do still stay connected and are dating each other because if you're constantly on that grind and doing the training and you're not pouring into the relationship, it's going to eventually spill over into your performance. So it's trying to keep everything in balance. Yeah. Spoken like. Somebody that's been married for 30, 31 years, right? <laughs> yeah. 
yes I couldn't think of I was like my brain just went like uh, yeah but no okay thank you for helping me out I appreciate that now we get to move on to rapid fire we've come to the end of course we can ask so many more questions but I love the fact that you guys you know not only participate in the sport but participate at a high level and you're constantly pushing each other and you know you're still qualifying for worlds and konas and it's you know that's the exhilarating part about this sport is that there's no limit you know when you try and so continue to soar continue to try together because people are watching whether you know it or not i.e me hence why you're here and so i love to see it and i really just love you know, I love love, right? But really to see, you know, a black couple out there, that really just is like, it's inspiring. And it's like, wow, this is doable. It's amazing. And, you know, I, you may not see it at every race, but when you do see it and you see people living it, and living it in a healthy way, that's encouraging, especially in a world where people are going the opposite way and getting divorces because they can't see to work it out. And I love the fact that you guys have been married for 31 years, <laughs> still trying every day. And so kudos to you guys. Thank you for being on here. So now we got rapid fire questions. Be real quick. I'm going to try to ask you some of the ones that are a little bit easier to answer since we've since we all talk just a lot. So, all right. Favorite post-workout food? I like hamburgers. Yes. Derek? I can do hamburgers as well, yes. Okay. Hamburgers, milkshake. Yeah, milkshakes. Oh, y'all eat. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, are you... Where's your favorite place to bike? My favorite place to, to actually bike is on Andrews Air Force Base. It, it's a, a loop. It's safe. I feel comfortable. Yeah, for, for, for me, I, I just like getting out on quiet country roads in whether it's Maryland, Virginia, you know, just 40 minutes outside the city, there's lots of country roads. You know, you just, yeah, I want to wrap it, so keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> what is, um, what's your, who's your favorite, do you listen to music on the bike, or do you listen to music, and if so, what's your favorite artist to listen to? I'll do a lot of my biking on the trainer, and if it's a hard workout, I have I have music on. It's it's a must. If it's an easy workout, it's usually a podcast or watching a show. But favorite music when I'm doing a hard workout is Sounds is eighties like eighties eighties hip hop. Eighties hip hop is 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 good, but Easy McCoy. Jay-Z, Beyonce, it's got to be on Eminem, on Hard and Poppin'. I, I like listening to David Goggins' uh, books when I'm writing for a long time. Yeah. I mean, well, he's definitely motivation. I hope he's not yelling when he's saying his book. Like <laughs> oh, he is. <laughs> exactly. You got it. Okay. Um, do you have any race day superstitions? I don't think so. Okay. Do yeah. I? No. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I do not. I, I do not. Like you have to eat two chicken breasts, four, uh, no. No. Nothing. My only one requirement is to say a prayer before I get into the water. God, please get me out of this water alive. <laughs> I'm it. sure that's a lot of people's prayer. <laughs> What is your, what is the, what is your favorite sign that you've seen on the race course? Oh, this is a good one. It, it says that pain is temporary, 
the internet is forever. <laughs> have you seen any good ones, Derek? I, I have, but I, none that I've really committed to memory. I, I, I really like it when you when you see um, kids out there wanting to high five you. Okay. I, I think that you know it, it it that's motivational it peps you up you know they're excited for you they want to high five you I, I like seeing that all right i like that as well are you a transition minimalist goldilocks where everything has to be just right or are you a transition hoarder where you bring everything with you i am a minimalist and my philosophy, you are racing the transitions. The transitions itself is a race. And my goal is to be top five transition time for T1 and T2. <laughs> okay. So it's, you try and minimize the decisions you need to make in transition. You get in, you get out. Okay. Get in, get out. <laughs> So you're a minimalist as well? Absolutely. I did what he told me to do. So this just popped in my head as a question. You're in a race and you're getting out of the water. Do you take the time to wash your feet or not? Like to dry your feet, I should say. No. So how do you prevent blisters? Well, it's, it's the bike shoe for one, the mm -hmm. type of shoe you're racing in. You know, I, I like uh, triathlon shoes. Those are typically made to be comfortable with no socks. And, you know, it has the ventilation built in as well. Um, uh, and, and for water to, to leave out if you get water down your shoe as well. But, yeah, I don't wear socks on the, on, on, on the bike. It helps with the transition. I was just about to say, <laughs> see, that's what I was like. Because in order to be in transition, like you have to be super fast. You know, most people are like taking time to dry their feet, you know, so you wear no socks. Okay, so that's a good thing. Last question, and then we are out. Brace yourself. Do you pee on the bike or take a proper pee break? I do, do not pee on the bike. I love the way he looked at you. He was like, <laughs> do not pee on the bike. Do you pee on the bike? I pee on the bike. <laughs> He's like, ugh, now I'm taking your bike all those times. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you, you found something new out about your husband on the Try Beginner's Luck podcast. That's what it's all about. Whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you always win. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm Ashonda and we're out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you always win.